Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. This is Chris from the rock band Ronin, and you're listening to Concerts That Made It. Oh, 
Chris, you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, man. It's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music over the next bit. So Ronan released Fallock the Defiler back in September. It's a great album. It has many different styles within it. Can you tell us all the details? Spill the beans. Definitely. Um, you know, and I, I feel like it's it's not that's hard to find on the album that has those different styles. And that uh, by design, for the most part, I like to kind of just play what comes to us. And, you know, we workshop the song there, but um, we're really proud of one. And we built off our first album for sure to try to just showcase different, you know, styles that are in us. Uh, we like to say that we're really any sort of subgenre because there's millions of in rock music, especially metal. Uh, you know, it's like people go on and on. It's wow, you, you know, it makes you dizzy sometimes with the different subgenres people come up with. So we're not really obsessed with that. Uh, but we just we like rock music, playing all different styles east of rock music, even if it's the softer sort of melody stuff. And then, you know, some it's a little more heavier, screamy stuff we like to kind of dive into. Um, so, yeah, we're really happy with Valak, the way it came out. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to more hearing it. and Hopefully more people appreciate, it, you said, the different styles and offerings that the album has. So it's not like, you know, you're listening. It's like, oh, well, like four or five songs sounded very much the same, like structure same vibe it's like we kind of pride ourselves on you know little samplings of rock music here and there i get you i get you and when it came to you know writing the songs everything where did the inspiration come from well the songs we had um in the bank like like structures of it left over from my first album sessions because initially we would do 10 songs but then we got into the video and we're like all right, we kind of ran out of money here. <laughs> we kind of mapped out like, all right, well, we have so many hours that we could log. So we got to get the songs down. So we just picked eight that we knew the best because we really 10 of them. Uh, but we're like, all right, we date the best. Let's record those. So like two holdovers, um, Valhalla and Valak, the, the title track, were both holdovers from the first album. And we decided to kind of build it all around this Valak idea, which came to me some random night I was watching the, I think it was the conjuring piece mm. uh, with life. And then it's just a line that's like the, the chick in the movie go, Oh my God, you're Valk the defiler. I was like, kind of perked up. I was like, that sounds cool. So I down or I texted it to myself notes, writing it down. No one writes anything anymore, but uh, <laughs> so I put it in my notes and I kind of logged it away and looked, you know, what Valk was all about. So, you know, wrote the lyrics around that song and he married it with some riffs that i had um and then brought it to the band and we sort of fleshed it out and the same goes with the rest of the songs um the one song monster which our lead guitarist jack takes um lead vocal on that one because you know, we're pretty fortunate in the band we have him uh he's a really vocalist he went to school for voice but to have him on the back burner and to be the at harmonies and stuff so he brought that song to us and our bassist Bo, our newest member, brought the song "Hatred's Mate" uh, to the band, and you know we retooled lyrics and like uh you know around a little bit with the structure, and we were able to flesh that one out. But but for the most part, uh, we just play like I said earlier, like what comes to us. And a lot of times I'll have lyrics from like years ago, like uh, even when I was in college, like I took some workshops, and like you know I'll look at those for inspiration and be like. Oh, that kind of sounds like similar to the mood of these riffs that we had. Try to build a song around that. And uh, that's like another thing. Like, there's no one that we make a song. Like, sometimes it's with just like a jam. And we're like, all right, that was awesome. That sounded cool. We'll add lyrics to it later. Or sometimes we'll start with lyrics or a vocal melody and build from there. So we try to attack it from all different ways. And uh, the songs are better for it. There's not like one formula that kind of works for us. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's that's handy. It works out like that. Yeah, sometimes it comes together nicely, and other times it's a little bit more labor. Yeah. <laughs> I could yeah. imagine. And, you know, how does the finished version hold up to the original concept? Did it change much over the, the production? Um, For the most part, I feel like it's like half and half. Like half of the songs like were pretty much the same in the studio. Um, 
that we sort of envisioned, like songs like Hatred's Me, um, and songs like Saturn's Portal, uh, that was our lead single. Uh, the difference with Saturn's Portal is like we kind of chopped down the ending a little bit. We had it a little more extended with that solo section. Our engineer, uh, Frank Matiratona, uh, at Voodoo Studios was, he was phenomenal. Like he was, he had such a good ear, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't repeat this again. Like, let's like, let, let's cut this down. Let's like try a different chord here or there. Um, he was a big part of some songs changing. Uh, one song in particular that really transformed in the studio, I think, was Uphill, um, which is this song off the album. And that song was like, it was kind of a beast. It's like, it's a, it's a different time signature than we used to. Like, we were playing around with some, uh, like, it was very Mastodon inspired like some in there in sections and you know there was some like heavier vocals in the song so like just having him around to be like all right maybe well instead of repeating this section have the double at the end and then we decided our breakdown at the end of the song to like to make the outro and repeating the chorus again uh for variety's sake not just like all right verse chorus verse chorus you know solo chorus we're pretty standard uh so yeah, like some of the songs definitely changed, but as far as getting up to the idea, I think most of them exceeded, um, if not matched, because uh, you know it's that editing process that's so important that I feel like a lot of bands, uh, even us with our first album, definitely struggle with. It's hard to edit your own stuff because it's your song. It's like, no, I want this section to be nine and a half minutes because it's such a cool riff. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you know, some bands can, but you know we don't have the. Uh, we don't have the legacy. The uh, we can't afford to do that. Like people be like, yeah, I'll listen to ten minutes of this. Like from no name band, it's like, all right, same theater where it's like, okay, they can put a fifteen minute song together. Uh, so yeah, I think the songs definitely stand up to or exceed um, the ideas that we had going in. Yeah, yeah. And I have to ask, when it comes to making new music, then what's your favorite part? And then the flip side, what part do you absolutely dread doing? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I think just the like the birth of the song, sort of like that initial creative spark, um, especially when you bring something to the band. Uh, I mean that that's like a love hate because like when you come up with something yourself and then you bring it to the band and you're like, are they gonna like it? Are they gonna like you know? Are they gonna crap all over? Are they gonna be like, yo, what is like this is not this is good like this is not great. But um, I, just that initial sort of spark you find the inspiration or, you know, I'm just noodling down on the guitar and I find a cool riff. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then trying to find, you know, that that riff connects with, you know, to build to a chorus or how do you build a chorus? So like, how can I transform this riff to a different, um, like part of the neck guitar, to like bring a difference about, um, cause we're very riff oriented. We like to kind of build, like find like a riff we really like. We try to find different parts, on the guitar and different voicings where it'll sound different, but it's, it's the similar structure. Uh, to keep that uh, consistency through the song, to, you know, to get that earworm thing. Um, but as, as like maybe what's hardest or what I don't like the most is when you get toward the end of the process. And I always have fear of like getting sick of the song. Right. It's like, or, or, or I, the sort of like oh man we've been working on these songs for 10 months but i have like all these other riffs i want to start working on so you know that's it's a little bit of a cop-out answer but i think like when you get to the end of the process even like when it comes time to release like so excited for these songs to get out but like the creative part of us is like oh man we have all these other ideas like bring on but it's like no we have to give the songs that we just recorded the respect that they're due so it's sort of like that impatience that comes along at the end of the process. Um, yeah, the creative itch. Oh yeah, and it's it, and you can scratch it. It seems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long do you wait then to start working on new music after the release? Um, I mean, all are always like coming up with ideas. Like, and I always, you know, like a riff bank, you know, on on like my voice memos, even like some of them are just like my voice doing a, a riff. Like, right. da -da 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 -da. And then I'll listen back and be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> How am I supposed to translate? Like, um, but yeah, like we're always writing, but 
we like we've discussed it at lead up uh, for this release like let's not consciously work together on material until you know, the album's been out for a little while and we've given it like uh, some backing uh, going up to Canada the beginning of November to open for another band uh, who's there doing their release so we're playing Ottawa and Montreal we want to make sure like we play the like give it the support it's due uh, both uh, like social media and stuff pushing it that way but also with shows and making sure it has time to kind of breathe and you know on a life of its own before we we undercut it with other music uh and it's also it's like the financial thing getting back into the studio like let's give ourselves like a year or two before we jump in on that again uh you know the more money in the bank too because the eight song structure seems to work for us uh in in the studio so if we can come up with eight more songs and then we could structure our studio time the same we did with the other two albums, uh, that'll help. But giving the this more time, uh, I think it's really very important. So, but, you know, to close out the answer uh, to a very long-winded answer, uh, <laughs> we're always writing, always trying to like come up with new riffs on our own. But collectively, we want to give ourselves definitely a little time, maybe like six months. We'll dive in. We'll see what's on like if we can get more shows out of state and like little mini weekers and little mini tours then that'll push you off the recording process even further which is a good it's a good problem to have yeah yeah exactly you can't complain about that no way yeah and you know after the release of your 2021 self-titled album you guys went on a bit of a tour you played the tri-state area and quickly were noticed by pavement entertainment can you walk us through that period and yeah, I mean, that was exciting. And obviously coming, you know, we were still in COVID, but sort of coming out of it. And, uh, you know, because that, that definitely put the brain on us, but it allowed us to record that album. We were able to go in and like take time. We're like, all right, we have nothing else to do. So let's do these eight songs out and, you know, see what happens. And, you know, in hindsight, it was a little bit of a mistake to release it before shutting the album around to potential labels tables and uh stuff like that and you know pavement even said as much uh you know, we sent out a bunch of cold emails i'm um, asking if anyone wanted to work with us on a single and stuff like that and they basically outrightly said like oh man it's a shame you guys didn't come to us with the album before release like we could have definitely worked better for you guys but we were working one of our songs temptress with them uh, that they really liked and thought had a really good show on radio um and it wound up doing really good radio we wound up getting i think to third on the top 40 rock songs on the billboard charts great you know we were up there with other bands like roach uh like we're, we're wrestling fans over here uh so like chris jericho was up there well we wanted to like send him a tweet and be like oh what's up ozzy like <laughs> we're, we're nipping at your heels you know obviously we didn't do that <laughs> don't be jerks about it but um it was they were really into what we were doing and we were able to work that song for like 16 weeks um on spotify and on radio able to rack up a lot of like streams we're very you know we can go one way or the other when it comes to stream um it's wonderful that outlet and that access to uh, like the world basically with your music but it's like kind of a crapshoot sometimes you're not sure how to you know how to leverage those metrics on spotify you turn like oh wow we streamed song tempter streamed 125,000 times all right, but now what? Like, how do you, like, does that matter to people? Hard to tell sometimes. Uh, but we were able to do very well with, and then when that campaign ended, they said, listen, when you guys have more music, send it our way and work it out. And then, you know, we came up with the demos for Valak, the Defiler album, and they liked it. And they said, when you guys have the final reference, let us know and we'll work this thing. Um, so, you know, it worked out well for us and, and 2021 was a good year for us uh, linking up with them. And then we got to, um, we got to play with a, a pretty big metal band, except, uh, which was great. That was a cool, that was probably our best show to date. Um, actually just the size of the crowd. That was a great opportunity. Oh. And I suppose at this stage, so we'll dive into your your influences, your early memories to give the listeners a sense of where you come from. So if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? Honestly, it's probably something 
music wise from my father. Um, you know, when you grow up, like your parents, at least in the generation I grew up, uh, they were listening to like, there was like a classic rock. Um, it was like Billy, Joel, especially if we're from Long Island, New York. So Billy Joel to um, like Elton John, but like the I can remember really latching on to some country music guys like uh, George Strait, uh, even Garth Brooks, um, Jackson were pretty big. Like I'm talking like when I was like probably six or seven. And then when I was like eight or nine, I remember being introduced to Creed, right. which, you know, people, people like the Creed, but listen, when, when I heard them, when I was like eight years old, when Clay came out, I remember hearing songs, what if, and uh, you know, wrong way. And it ended up being like, you know, this is pretty great. You know, they had their with arms wide open. They hire. They had those hits off the album. I always be like, this is pretty rock. And then, you know, Freed was basically like my sort of gateway drug into like rock and music. And then next, uh, it was Metallica. Uh, probably like two thousand one. I was uh, I was like eleven or twelve. Me and my cousin pretty always listened to music together. And you know, they came out so like. The deal was that we would do chores pretty much in our respective homes, up enough money to try to buy all their albums together collectively. Yes. So, you know, go to Best Buy or um, the heck was the name of the store in our mall? It was FYE or they had Tower Records. They used to have like, we would go to CD, uh, you know, shops to buy CDs. And we built up enough money, bought like the load, reloaded them, and my cousin got uh it's lightning and uh just and of course you know, the black album we had and we would just listen to those religiously religiously so like they were a huge influence um alice and Chains came shortly after love out Chains, um, especially the unplugged uh performance that they did on mtv and then more like my bands which it's weird to say that they're they're like 25 years old at this point but like avenge seven old was huge i remember hearing them in 2003 Oddly enough, on a um, Madden NFL football game soundtrack for uh, like like P2 or something like that, I remember hearing a song of "Waking the Fallen" chapter four. I remember hearing that. And being like, what the hell is this? Like, this is this is awesome. And it was like a little bit heavier than what I was used to. And then uh, you know, throughout the years, then I got turned on Astodon, um, other bands, to Bridge, which is basically Creed with Miles. City, uh, which, which was, I remember being so opposed as a kid when I first heard Alter Bridge. I'm like, no, I, I'm a big guy. Like, no, no. And then I like do a few of the songs. I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, I've seen that concert like a dozen times. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, and then like other bands like Beat, I remember seeing Open Metallica in like 2009 and being like, yo, what's this? Like, this rockabilly metal. Uh, like what a unique like Elvis voice this guy has. I was like, this is cool. They had some like mid sounding songs with like 60 sort of chord progressions. I'm like, this is good. I'm like, this is really cool too. Um, yeah. So those are like a lot, a lot of like my specific is the band has different eclectic uh, that all sort of come together. Like our drummer loves rock muse. Uh, lead guitarist love like Jim Croce. He loves sorts of uh like it's hard to nail his style down he loves so many things and our bassist loves like system of a down he loves jaco pastorius uh you know he comes from he's like 10 years older than us he's 24 he he has a lot of like more youthful energy he like he's midwestern emo when he says to me i'm like what does that mean <laughs> like, <laughs> and he plays like, a riff and then it turns into like a really heavy aggressive riff. i'm like all right like it, that sounds like Ian from like 2003, 2004, <laughs> it's a different name. Uh, but yeah, those are like a lot of the influences. Um, big ones are probably like Metallica, Avenged. Um, Juice is definitely in there. We try to incorporate them. Even some Tool, sometimes like vocals uh, on some songs. Maynard has such a cool delivery. So it's like it's it's nice to try to incorporate some of the style. Um, Allison Janes, like probably the top five. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Good mix there. And, you know, can you pinpoint the exact moment that made you want to become a musician? Um, Probably. And unfortunately, I didn't capitalize on it for some years after sort of 
kind of got the itch because um, I've I've always sung and chorus and stuff in high school and choir, um, but it was I remember it was like a football Sunday, uh, and I went with my father to his friend Johnny's house, and in between the games, uh, they put on the there was a Metallica live DVD set, and it was the 1992 I think it was San Diego show. And I remember seeing it was James and Lars. They were doing like drum off, like a drum battle for like 10 minutes. And I remember just being like, just like mesmerized as an 11 year old being like, what the hell is this? Like, this is so cool. And like, just seeing like the adoration that they had, like sort of the ferocity and, you know, it was very impressionable times as an 11 year old. (laughs) Seeing that I'm like, I would love to do that day. And then like, I really got into singing after that. But I wouldn't pick up guitar, like a, like a shame to say, until I was like five. You know, I tried. I tried it like seventeen, eighteen, and I just I was such a coward. I quit after about two months. Uh, trying to, I was trying to do bar chords. And I was just like, ah, you know, like you know about other things. I wasn't focusing on guitar. Uh, always a huge regret. You know, I always say late to the party, but try to be the life of the party. So even though I got the late start, trying to uh, make the most of it. I think that was probably when I got the bug where I saw like, and was like, wow, like I need to do something like this. I'm like, either that to be a professional wrestler. So it's one <laughs> of the <laughs> yeah, two, uh, two interesting career choices anyway. Yeah. Pretty similar uh, lifestyles. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as a concert goer, then what concerts would you say have made you? Uh, well, I, I've seen bands like Avenged, Walter Bridge, Metallica, um, probably like almost a dozen times each. Uh, me and my cousin recently went to at MetLife Stadium in New York or New Jersey, I should say, on the, the Metallica M72 tour. Mm. So we got to see Pantera. You know, like the tribute version, but still cool seeing Phil and Rex up there and, you know, playing with Zach and the band been so good. Uh, you know, that's recent, like where I was like, I got like weirdly emotional, like me and my cousin a bit, because, you know, we were always like to Pantera, but they were never our top band. But I can remember, I think, I think it was 2004 when, when Dime, uh, when Dime got, um, uh, I think it was 2004 with damage plan and i remember that happening it like didn't affect us but then you kind of think about the camaraderie of those guys like how much it probably affected them so like seeing them live was a was such a cool experience because we never got to see them when they were you know painted proper um so that was really cool but probably the first time we saw metallica at madison square garden we got to we were like right up at the railing there was these four guys in front of us uh and they brought like this giant france magnetic sign from that tour and one of the one of the french guys was a like, foot tall so we kept having to hold the stand we're like i'm like when you hold that up and no one can see i'm like can you just over the railing and he was like oh okay and let him do that but i remember i'll never forget that that was a great experience it was tiring it was very tiring the only other time i was probably more tired uh to heavy montreal up in canada in 2014 i think slayer played offspring uh metallic was there um dropkick murphy so we got the you know for like 13 hours out in a field fifty thousand people yeah iron i I remember <laughs> afterwards like and of course you know we're out of the country so at you know we didn't none of us thought about like getting cell phone plans so they could be so they could work you know we all got scattered after the, the concert we couldn't find it like we just ended up all meeting at the gate. Like there was like nine of us, and I remember being like, "How did we find each other?" <laughs> that was, and like, why did we separate? What is so? What is wrong with us? But into war, there were times like the like the pit was pushing us around. And just like it was like gladiator uh, with Russell Crowe. Like we all just linked. We were like as one, as one. <laughs> like we were just getting thrown around. It was it was that, like that was a wild concert. So concerts like that, and I I love music i love live music i'll see anything live. like i've seen maroon live uh you know back day i've I've seen michael buble like a you know frank Frank, Frank, frank type singer i just love live music and 
especially seeing good music that's that's live and tell like you know the the putting their all into it um you know when you can get chills like that's something that's hard to replicate outside of that sort of music thing so uh but like yeah probably like that first metal especially heavy montreal because that that i'll never forget just being like beaten for 13 hours was (laughs) an experience i was like i don't know this again i'm like i don't know if my (laughs) but uh those are great concerts sounds of trees and you know your own gigs then for any listeners that haven't caught one of them give them the full experience if you can what can they expect i mean see whether it's we have a 30 minute set or luckily sometimes we an hour set i mean we're we're gonna give you energy um we're gonna give our all and um like that's one thing we like to do we like to do a lot of crowd work like i like to talk crowd i like to you know we like to show our personalities on stage we like to move around um because there's nothing worse than like because sometimes the music could be like amazing but sometimes it just look like the performers are having a great time you know especially if it's like more intricate i understand like you have to concentrate sometimes it's like you know when the people on stage are super into it and the energy the crowd feeds off on them and like you know but by design it's like all right i'll give you energy you got to give us energy back and like people respond to that. i know i do see on stage even bands like i'm not familiar with like they're going for it even if like the notes here there it's like the, the performance you're looking for you know so it's pretty much what we try to live by is like i give you the best show we could possibly um you know we sprinkle a few covers in there for good measure to kind of people who aren't familiar with us can at least get into it and be like oh wow they played their cover really well and they kind of maybe pay attention to the next original song a little more um but you know we're an original band uh first and foremost so you're gonna hear our stuff definitely we're not not a cover so you will hear us and you know it's as authentic as you get like we don't do bells and whistles no smoke ears and stuff like that we you know we don't like shows or anything like that uh Maybe when we get to a certain level, we will incorporate some uh, stage theatrics because that also involves people into it. But right now, it's like a raw, you know, high energy show. Um, and we're going to have a good time. We, we like to just, and I say it every show, like, you know, we're here to have a good time. Um, and we hope you have a good time too, you know. That's, that's really what. Sounds like a good night. And, you know, you mentioned you played a show with Accept. When you're playing with guys on that level, what do you learn? Oh, I mean, you learn to be on top of your shit for sure. Uh, we've we've been fortunate enough to open for them twice uh, in um, state New York and Poughkeepsie at a, the Chance Theater. That was our first show, and on Long Island um, in Patchogue, a place called Stereo Garden. And that first show was definitely for us. We had been with Bo, our bassist, for about six months at that, and we had a half hour. And we were second on out of four bands, including except. And we were just we set out to just like let's just literally lay it all on the line, play as hard as we can, you know, as hard as I can, you know, I'll crowd work up enough. I'm like I'll practice in the mirror if I do <laughs> like little phrases and stuff to, to make sure that you know because playing in front of except you want to make sure that nerves don't get to you. Um, they have such a polished live show. Like, you know, they have they have, they have they have the coordinated like swings. They have the outfits. Obviously, their crew um, is top notch, and they travel all over the world. So we did not want to slaughter that opportunity. So we, you know, always tried to pride ourselves on being as professional as possible. But when you get to a band like that, who's legitimately a professional touring, band, you know a different level and you know they were so accommodating but just making sure that you're all top of your shit like you know what your stuff is you know exactly what needs to be held in any equipment that you need to hand to them that they need to work with but it's a well-oiled machine i don't think we could have messed if we tried um so like fortunate enough to do that but just to uh definitely also we learned to just appreciate moments like that because who knows how many times that'll happen and you know in our music career, if I could say, that. um, the hope is to play a lot of shows like that. Um, and it's probably close to a thousand people there. 
Um, I know max cap at that venue is not 50. So when except played, it was like sardines. So that place was dead maxed when they played. When we played, it was tight, but you could move through without having to like squeeze. So I think 700 people, which was we played to and, and to this day most. And, you know, just getting people involved in our show and like people were, you know, they were chanting and doing rock and stuff like that. And they were coming up, you know, they were they were paying attention to us. And that's really what's important. And we got a lot of reactions after songs. Uh, so I guess really learning to appreciate moments like that, because who knows how many times it'll happen. It's a tough business. It's not, there's definitely zero guarantees. So getting to do that once, you know, but not, you know, we got to do it twice, which was great. Um, you know, just not being, not taking those things granted, but also always making sure you put your best, uh, not, not just your best foot forward, but like you show the best who you are in those situations, like to show that you have a level of professionalism and that, you know, they let us open for the second time. So like that was awesome for us. Like so we proved that the, not only could we handle the music side, but also the backstage personal side of it. Like we didn't cause any problems. You know, we didn't cause any hiccups. We didn't take too much time. You know, we stayed with our set time. You know, we weren't trying to take liberties. You know, we weren't being dicks to anybody. We were being very gracious and respect everybody because, you know, the low man totem pole. You can't walk around like you, you know, you know, big dick on campus you know? so you know you can't do stuff like that so just making sure you stay humble and uh you know don't step on anyone else's toes you know some people might say different where you know you should be a little bit more aggressive stuff like that but to us that's not going to get us any points you know like like some people will work after them but i feel like that's the exception like you should always just be professional and respectful as possible so that are the things we definitely learned yeah yeah it's good it's a good point and you know that's obviously the best one you've played if you flip that around now is there a gig that you would say is the worst experience you've had and how did you deal with it oh definitely um honestly it's a gig we didn't even get to play um we had gone into brooklyn for a show uh a place called purgatory probably should have taken that as the first sign things to come uh, the, the only saving grace and i'll leave the story off for this is that we, we got paid in advance for it so like we money regardless but uh we wanted to play um originally we were supposed to go on at like 11 30 you know it was one of those shows with a lot of bands we show up and i have my mesa 4 by 12 cabinet and i have mesa dual rectifier amp head we're talking like 100 pounds of equipment we walk in, I was like, oh, okay, this place looks not like, oh, well, the place you guys are playing is upstairs. I was like, my God, all right, stairs. And look, and it looked like it was out of like a movie or something. The the staircase that never ends. And it's like nice and tight in the hallway. I'm like, what am I supposed to? So I lug all the stuff there. We lug all the equipment up. And when we were sitting there, we're waiting, it's like 11 o'clock, and they're like two bands behind. We're like, oh. Like, oh, all right, we're not going to go on to like one. All right. Okay. That's fine. It's 1230 and there's still like a band in a hand behind. We go to the porter. We're like, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, we were supposed to go half hour ago and, or an hour ago, really. And, you know, what's going on? Oh, you'll get on, you'll get on. We promise. Then it was like 130 and they were still like, oh, there's an, actually another act. And we we're just, all right, we're out of here. Uh, we got into it a little bit. Uh, with some people, but we're like, listen, like we can't play at two thirty. You told us you eleven thirty or twelve thirty, whatever you said. Like, and you kept moving the goalposts. Like, we came out here, we brought all of our stuff. I'm like, this was a whole day. I'm like, some of us have work in the morning. Like, mm. so that sucked. That sucked. <laughs> because, you know, we just want to play. Yeah, you know, we got to play. That would have been cool. But like, that was just the. It, it's just the stairs with the equipment. I remember having a lot of adrenaline at the end of the show. So going down the stairs wasn't so bad. <laughs> I remember being a little, uh, a little angry, a little beside myself. But oh, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah, that's the flip side of the exception. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully they're few and far between. <laughs> yeah, luckily that has not happened since. But, you know, it's, it's one of those experiences like 
I feel like everyone needs to have something like that. <laughs> it's a it's a good story, and it's you know we look back at it, and it's just funny. And then we're like, oh well, I'm like, we still got paid. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And you know, since you started the band, what's the biggest challenge you guys have faced? Um, I mean, COVID was definitely a big one because uh, we formed. I mean, the initially formed it was me and the original bassist, uh, our buddy Andrew. He had, it was a long trip to Atlanta uh, for one of our buddies' bachelor uh, parties. And he was talking, he wanted to start playing bass. And I had only picked up the guitar. I was like, well, I might just do it. I'm like, you come over and we could jam. I could show you what I know, which is very little. <laughs> I'm like, I could show you some power chords and stuff if you just want to, like, you know, root notes behind me. And like, so we jammed for about a year and a half like that, just me and And then we got his buddy um jack did the artwork for the first album he played drums with us for like half a year and then he wanted to focus on art so he backed out and then we called up our boss uh justin who's the drummer now, uh because he played drums in school and he came over jammed with us a few times like you guys want to try to record some songs we made like a little ep little demo ep in my basement uh we recorded pools uh we did that and then we jack involved for lead guitar but then covid hit we recorded the end and then you know what happens sometimes our buddy andrew was moving with his fiance to texas so you know we took a few months and we're like, trying to figure out like if we could make it work. and we just decided like it just it couldn't so then we put out a uh uh not like a flyer but it's sort of like a Facebook version of Craigslist for missions. So I put out like some ads there for, you know, looking for a bassist. You know, we put links to our music and Oh answered it. And he had actually known a, about the bands. You know, he was looking to the music beforehand, which was cool. Like, oh, like, good. We have a fan. That's <laughs> all. There's one. Uh, <laughs> so he came down, he auditioned. Uh, we play a few songs off the album and then, cover that we like to do we like to do for whom the bell talks uh a nice rock and metallica song that everybody knows so that always gets people involved and we played that we played a few of the songs of the album and we we vibed pretty quickly and we were able to get him on board but so the biggest challenge we faced was covid and then also uh our our buddy and moving you know because we were oh man just came out with this album we're like now what the heck do we do but luckily, Bo was in the right place at the right time, and we were able to link with him. And we didn't, we didn't lose too much steam, you know. We missed like a year of gigs, which stunk because you know that's where either, you know you cut your teeth, like you kind of get a lot more comfortable. But we had we had gigged a lot in 2021 and 2022, so we were able to kind of get ourselves reacclimated um, because it's different than rehearsing at home. Yeah. So the COVID probably the biggest challenge and then losing the bassist. So, so after that. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. And if you think about the band and the future, how would you like the band to evolve? What would it be like in say five years time? I mean, I definitely want to get a couple more albums there. Uh, we're toying around with the idea of like an EP. Um, we're not sure because we really, the album, the idea of the album, uh, you know, and maybe that's just us you know, digging our heels in <laughs> with that old school mentality in an album. And, you know, maybe that's the good part of us, but we, 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 like that. Uh, but definitely want to have at least another album or two out there of material, uh, play around, maybe some drop tuning. I know that's one thing Bo, uh, our bassist has been talking about. We have a few songs where we have like in the banks that are in drop tuning, uh, something I never really experimented with too much the time. I do. I have a great time. It's just like it kind of lends itself to just, you know, those big power chords and uh, yeah. it has that cool deep sound, Soundgarden, like some of those Soundgarden riffs. Like, oh, mm. Now I know why they came up with a riff. I'm like, this is so much fun. <laughs> this is great. Uh, and, and just to keep um, just improving on uh, the quality, because um, I feel like definitely the first album, I'm very happy with it. I really love the songs on it, but I feel like we made the songs more concise um, and they're better for it. I think the edit process with the second album was definitely better than the first album. 
because uh, some was just that. Like, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We just had songs. We're like, all right, let's record these songs that we have. <laughs> Rather than workshopping them a little bit further and like making them a little bit more tight, uh, a little easier to digest. So just to keep, keep evolving, keep adding different styles, sounds. Like I talked about the drop tuning, just another aspect of rock music. And to make sure also we just stay true ourselves and try to uh, conform to anything else. You know, we like to add new elements in here and there, and uh, obviously the modern sort of rock metal sounds that maybe we don't have, uh, but we think that kind of gives us a little bit of an advantage in the field. Does it help stand out a little bit? Um, and some people are like, eh, it's not really what we're looking for because it's not what everything else sounds like. But then other people, wow, this is like refreshing. This is a nice throwback, which is, you know, that's a mile. Uh, but just to keep pushing ourselves musically because we definitely did on this on the second album to the first um just trying uh different time signatures and stuff like that um and just you know but like i said just being authentic and you know always just playing music that we love not trying to not try to be something that we're not that yeah. makes sense yeah, I like it. I like it. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans in the near future that are set in stone. Anything you want to share with us? Well, I mentioned earlier the the little mini tour in Canada, which is we're very excited about. It, it's be able to play two big cities, Ottawa and Montreal, and uh, the venues are, are are cool. They're pr- pretty big size, so and they're going to be very well attended, which is great. Which I always love to see that. Um, and our numbers, you know, not to Spotify again, but our numbers in Canada are pretty solid in those cities. So I don't know people are getting primed and ready like for come up there, which is cool to see. Um, so we're very much looking forward to that. And we're hoping to hook up with, um, we, we've been shopping around for like a booking agent, like a manager. So if we can get those things secured, I think the shows will start in a lot more. Be a lot easier to do that because it's a lot the the you know that diy mentality you know the do self sort of mentality when it comes to being in a band especially like you know working you know day job musicians it's even tougher you know so trying to balance that and then also book all the gigs and you know making sure like even like lining up the interviews it's like making sure checking with the other band members it's like all right well what are you available can you do this can you do this it's it's a lot so like you can get a manager and a booker just help us with that aspect. It would take a lot of weight off of us. We can create on like other aspects, like and we can more promotional stuff on Facebook and you know, media is another one of those things where eh, like take it or leave it, but it's necessary sort of evil. You have to. Like I feel like if I have a band, I probably wouldn't have a Facebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Been, but it's like one of those necessary things like that, that you kind of need. And uh but you know, those are the types of things that I think are on the horizon for the band, probably within six to 12 months. So just uh, more shows and hopefully getting on some maybe festivals next summer would be really cool. The next festival season because like, we feel like we're right on the cusp. Like if, you know, if we weren't going to release the album, I feel like we might've been able to jump on a few uh, this past summer. So hopefully chance to do that next summer season uh, would be huge for the band. Because that that exposure, you can't. You know, it's hard to put a price on that exposure. Especially stage you play, what what event you're playing at, what are headlining, like things play a factor. And if we can get to get on those, but that's why we're looking to try to get a booking agent and a manager to kind of you know people who know what they're doing. Sometimes it's like you're just sort of throwing crap at the wall and hoping sticks with it. <laughs> a lot of times, bookers. Or uh, like because at the venues won't respond to like cold emails to people that they know with, and I can't blame them. They probably get inundated with emails and like and so many of them are junk or like bands that aren't as serious and like they want they want to bring money in, so they're not going to respond to everybody. So if we can get sort of their foot in the door in a few places, I mean that's that really what it comes down to is actions, and that's you know cliche that it's not who you are, it's who you know. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that. Who you are definitely becomes very important once you get if you get invited to the table. 
better be somebody like <laughs> that's wild or else you know they're gonna kick you out yeah exactly exactly and uh we'll dive into the last couple so these are a few random odd music questions but i'm intrigued to see your answers so if you could see anyone from history in concert for one night only who would it be Ooh, that's a that's a good one probably i would love to see it's it's between two so i'll give you two stevie ray vaughan i would have loved to see live um his guitar sound is you know it's like legendary uh he's a student of hendrix um and i just i love just his vibe live he was there's so much passion to it uh you know he was like the king of the mouth movements playing guitar you know like and stuff like people meme about him but steve ray vaughan like he just felt note you could see he had had giant hands bending the strings to the point of snapping like and like heavy you know like nobody uh, a string like him just but to be see that live and then the one would be queen with freddie mercury would definitely be just seeing like nobody you know handle the crowd better than you see that in all the live like the live aid thing that they did his last performance just i mean what a performer so like seeing him with queen back in the day would have been awesome and then also i would would probably say stevie ray vaughan very good ones there now here's where the odd part comes in if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history who would it be Ooh, a room for 24 hours um my default answer would probably be Hetfield, would be James Hetfield from Metallica, uh, just so I could pick his brain and talk to him for 24 hours. Because I could probably spend the entire 24 hours <laughs> with, with him. I don't even know if he'd get a word in edgewise. Uh, him, uh, yeah, I think just I think that's the no-brainer for me, just to pick his brain, because I find his life fascinating. You know, everything he's through and like his upbringing and just you know all the just what goes through his mind when he writes a riff or if anything goes through his mind and i know i've like seen interviews talk about it and it just kind of comes to him but just to be able to kind of like chat him up about this and just uh yes yeah, so we choose him pretty good i wouldn't mind that myself now and the final one so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life Ooh. Soundtrack to my life. That's a good one. Hmm. That's a really good question. Ah, uh, people usually get stumped on this. Mm. This, is, this is a tough one. So, I mean, all right. So the song doesn't have to represent my entire life. No, nope. it just has to be on the soundtrack. This has to be on the soundtrack. So. Hmm. It's still a tough one. Uh, <laughs> let's do. Um, oh man, you're killing me with this one. Because I'm. T- it's it's probably going to be a song by. Probably going to be a song by Metallica. And I don't want to say fade black because that one's a little too depressing. Right. But I feel like I feel like it, it would be fitting. Uh maybe for like the last song on the soundtrack. If if it was if my soundtrack was played at the end of my life or something at the at the you know funeral home, and I would maybe put that in the last slot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well we'll do that. We'll do that. Okay. Sake of time. For sake of time, because I could probably sit here for hours and think about. Yeah, I'll slot that in on the last track on the soundtrack of my life. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Listen, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you, you know, supporting us, listening to the album. I'm glad you're digging it and uh, giving me the opportunity to have a platform to kind of spread the word about it. Appreciate it.
I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.